Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video or podcast on your favorite platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the videos or MP3 files, which you can download and enjoy without commercial interruptions. If you're into classic horror, ghost, and adventure stories, I narrate Nightshade Diary, and you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If scary stories are your bag, and listening to encounters with cryptids, ghosts, dogmen, and other weird creatures sends a shiver up your spine, then go to SupernaturalStoryTime.com for links to our weekly podcasts. Noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird can be found at eerie.news or visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Please subscribe to my newsletter on Substack. Just go to mppelliser.com for a link. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good? Yes, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh... Hopefully, you know, I've got a thunderstorm rolling in, guys. Remember, I live in North Florida, and hopefully it doesn't uh, do anything to my internet connection, even though I do have a generator, but still, it can hiccup. You know how the timing goes in on that. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to bypass today any, the, the chicken talk, because I think it was the last or the before last, I gave a whole video on my chickens, my, my little group of chickens, and I did mention on my last one, I'm telling you, I made a mention about what I call, that I tease my husband about the monkey cryptid thing, the thing that supposedly was out there, that he saw something, and I even went out with my trusty little camera, my camera on the go, and I went out there because, you know, I have those huge trees. I was teasing him about it. He he, he hasn't seen it again. And believe it or not, would you believe that after I came back, this this camera has a little thing that you unscrew it and it has that little miniature SD card in the back, which, you know, I that's how I plug it in and I download my... I've had these things for years, by the way. All of a sudden, that SD card disappeared. I'm like, by the way, that thing, you know, when these SD cards, when you punch them in, they stay there. They, you know, they click in. It's not like they're. it's going to shake and pull out. That SD card, and I, it's really funny because when I did that broadcast, my last show... I joked, I go, well, I hope I caught it. I don't know. I can't find the SD card bottom line. I don't have that small um, video that I shot out there. So, but anyway, and, and, and for those of you who didn't catch last week's about, I want to say it's like been three or four weeks. You know, we have really huge live oaks here on the property. And I was out there, it had just rained. And, um... As you know, especially around here, when it rains a lot, you know, even though it's not raining, you know, you'll get sprinkles, sometimes a little bit of sprinkles from the leaves, from the branches overhead. And I had run out to feed my chickens. And my husband, he had come out. And I'm just hurrying along, like, thinking, man, I better. All of a sudden, I feel like a bunch of, like, well, I thought it was starting to rain again. And he's telling me, he says something to me. And I'm like, I'm not paying attention. Later on, he tells me, he says, look, I saw something up there on the branches moving along. And he says, it jumped from branch to branch. Remember, my trees are 500 years old. These things are huge. 
and he says, I, and of course we have squirrels and we have an owl and you could tell, like in other words, we're pretty familiar with what we got out here. And he was trying to describe it. And I realized later on that when I felt a huge bunch of drops on me is that he says it was going out over the branch over me. Okay. And it was, he says, look, it was so heavy that it bowed down the branch. Okay. Again, you know, I tease him about this. I call it the monkey cryptid. <laughs> he wigged out. You know, when you see somebody legitimately wig out, he did. And I haven't, we haven't seen anything like it again. We haven't. Like I said, we're familiar. And he was like, yeah, it was big enough. And he was like, he's, he goes, it looked like a monkey. That's why I came up with that, by the way. Just didn't pull that out. Again, we haven't seen it. But that's something to think about. It's like, what, wouldn't you know what, Marlene? Believe it or not, I'm always looking at the angle of, I don't want anybody to come in and get one of my chickens. So, but apparently, this wasn't a bird, in other words. This wasn't a bird, a bird of prey. It wasn't these little squirrels that are all over the place. Owls, obviously, they don't hop from branch to branch and bow it down. So, again, big question mark there. Eventually, hopefully, we will get an answer to that. Also, you know, I, believe it or not, I was already, because it's already out in the stores, Halloween stuff. I hate it. I hate it, believe it or not, that so early that we're they're already throwing us into this thing about thinking of the end of the year. But anyway, I started think countdown to Halloween. So yes, this year I am going to have my live stream again for Halloween. All right. Um, also, I'm now that I've settled down in this new place, what has taken me almost two years, uh, I'm going to start going out to comic cons. When I say comic cons, whether they're horror cons, uh, paracons, comic cons, uh, I'm going to start going out to there. I'm undecided yet whether I'm going to put it in a table and just say, see if I could sit down with some of you guys and get some stories or if I'm going to end up going as a reporter for Erie News. I'm still up in the air about that. So you'll you'll hear more from me on those things as we start going towards the end of the year and even into the beginning because, you know, as a lot of these cons, they're uh, booked and everything is done months in advance. You know, and like I said, a lot of these places have been on hiatus for what two and a half years after the COVID thing. So they're gearing up, and everybody's dying to go out there and be weird, dress up, you know, whatever, whatever it is, superhero, uh, you know, anime, whatever. Because I, I, we used to, I used to participate a lot uh, in these uh, cons before like in 2015, 16, 17, 14. I went to a bunch of them as a vendor. So there you go. I will keep you guys updated, but let's get on to the good part. The good part is that we have a guest tonight on the show. This is his first time being here. His name is Alexei Novitsky, and he's an astrophysicist and an engineer. He's written the amazing book, The Infinite Pool of Experience and Awareness. Um, it uh, seems like the entire science behind what it what it is we call consciousness and being human. He's also the inventor of the skate case and the mansion yacht. And we're also going to talk to him about a new book that he just told me before we started recording that he has, he's working on it as we speak. Help me welcome him. By the way, I'm going to call him Lucius. How are you doing today, Lucius? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Great. Fantastic. Awesome. Anyway, we, we, we could... T- Obviously, you're an engineer, and I had asked you previously, and I'm curious to, um, how did you, um, how could you, how did you become interested, or did you have an experience that led you into exploration of whether you want to call it uh, the outer consciousness, anything out there that, that basically that you think connects with us? 
Well, you could say I've been learning in my dreams since I was like five years old. Okay. Um, kind of just waking up knowing how to do things that, you know, I really didn't know how to do before. Really? And, um, yeah. So like, that is great. Like, yeah. It's a uh, pretty easy in. So like when I was 10, um, basically I got really into meditation and trying to kind of figure out what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point you could say I had a very enlightening experience, um, where I was kind of shown the delusions of mankind, like how we're all born into different states of delusion. We got like the wants, don't wants, assumptions and expectations. They create okay. hate, like all this, all this kind of how stuff. How old were you though when you had that dream? Uh, 10. And that wasn't really a dream. How did you handle this? Because I'm thinking most 10 years old would have been like, how, oh, I, I, mean, I, went to, I went to my parents and I said, everything is fake. <laughs> they must have been, oh boy, he's at it again. <laughs> like, what's the that? It was more of like, um, we put the rocks where they are. We created all the philosophies we follow. So it's not like things are fake, but everything's man-made. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. So right. Our, our yeah, I know what you mean. Well, I kind of I think I understand. Whereas, like you said, schools of philosophy, for example, the originators of these different schools of philosophy are men. You know, whatever their their philosophy was. Is that what you're referring to, or? Um, well, I mean, that's one aspect of society that we live in. Like we have is philosophy, but then there's also like um, that. Just even just going to school, you know, is something sure. that man has created. Um, where all the concrete is on the planet, um, the positions where trees are left. Um, basically, we, we've created this entire world from scratch. You know, um, everything is man-made, basically. Okay, so you were talking here structures outside of nature. Okay, in other words, let's say if there's a place, let's say one of these pristine forests, you know, they say no no human foot has ever set there. You're not talking about that. We're t- you're, talking no, no, about, no. you're talking about... You're talking about habitat inhabited or once inhabited by mankind is that what you're saying yeah pretty much pretty much that in the physical sense but then okay. like you were mentioning earlier like the philosophical sense like the points of view that we all have mm-hmm. as we're being raised um, they all come from being taught you know this person said these kinds of things these person sure. said this kind of things and so they all kind of like create the um, accepted view of reality um, and if you don't follow that now all of a sudden you're crazy or you're like a oh, quack or a bum um, <laughs> You You know what? I hate to say this, but you're very much, and I'm going to say, there's a lot of inventors, Calilea, I mean, among others, that they were basically, uh, they were sometimes killed or exiled because they didn't conform to what the, what, how they wanted, I guess, the powers that be, I don't know, wanted everybody to believe, like, no, no, you're you're screwing it up for us to be quiet (laughs) Or we're gonna like, uh, yeah. That that's that's quite always been the, even Luther. If you want to look at as far as what happened with the schism with the Catholic Church, which which is a big deal, and even prior to that, and who knows how many other things. That let me tell you what. When you had that dream when you were ten years old, was there a trigger? Was there something going on that you had that dream, or it's just one day that you had it? Well, that one wasn't a dream. That that was a very real event. Like um, sitting in meditation, literally, literally like a vision of a being in front of me teaching okay. me the delusions of mankind. Um, I don't. I wouldn't call it a dream. So you were like li- uh, like a okay, and I know what you're like lucid dreaming in a way. Were so you, you like? Uh, it's hard to say that's the case. Right, but, right. Um, I know what you're saying. It's not like I dream, I dreamt, and I know what you're saying, but sometimes we have really wild dreams, but then when you wake up, it's like, okay, that was a dream. Well, I was awake the whole time is kind of what I'm getting at. So, okay. like, I fall into trances um, okay. pretty easy to the point where, okay. like, every every single thing I'm even seeing in front of me will, like, almost fade away. 
and it's like a, really? a, a lesson of some sort or something like that. Um, wow. Yeah, no, so from, but then from my actual dreams and things like that I, is where I've always kind of learned. Um, and so like uh, when I wake up, I know how to do things. Easy you know what? You know what? Because the the thing is that we only use, and the reason why I'm, you know, you now sometimes people have really vivid dreams, like when they're sleeping, you know, and sometimes stuff doesn't make, you know, our subconscious mind, which is eighty eight percent of our mind, speaks to us in symbols, okay, and usually the subconscious mind will feed you only enough that you can handle it. In other words, everybody's different, all right. So Definitely. obviously you must have been wide open. If your mind was feeding you, when you were dreaming, well, I'm, I'm differentiating here. When you were dreaming, no, I, I you're telling me I had these dreams that, hey, I was, you, you, it sounds like you were like really ready to accept this. Whereas maybe some other person, it would have been, no, the mind would have said, no, 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 we can't do that. We're going to oversaturate you with something that you cannot handle. Let me ask you, as a 10-year-old, when you had this visitation from this being, do you are we talking here extraterrestrial are we talking spiritual being what do you think it was uh, i don't i think they're one and the same interdimensional okay. would be the easiest way to put okay, it okay sure sure yeah and i mean if you want to say it was an orb i don't think i would i didn't call it an orb at that time i would say it looked like um half a nutshell as far as like okay. the bottom but the other mm-hmm. top was basically um torso up uh hands both out like that and being shown the delusions of mankind in a very telepathic sort of vision Right. I was going to ask you, how did it communicate with you through telepathy? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Um, yeah. But so as far as um, you mentioned earlier, like trusting the dreams, essentially. Sure. And the reason why I've never had a problem doing that is because when I was five, I literally like learned how to ride a bicycle in my dreams. Woke up, went straight to my brother. Hey, I know how to ride a bike. He's like, show me. You know, I had never done it before successfully. And I hopped mm-hmm. on it and rode around in circles. No training around. wheels, huh? Uh, well, he took the training wheels off for me. Well, no, no, that's what I'm saying. You bypassed the training wheel thing. It was like, yeah. I'm on it. Yeah, no, so hopped on it, rode in circles in the garage, like, and everyone, you know, they're like, what just happened kind of thing, you know? Okay. Um, so for me, not following my dreams is harder in a way. It is. I know what you're exactly Because, what you I mean, mean, that's doubt, right? Like, that's like literally you're instilled with like, uh, oh, I, I can't do what I think I can do. Um, so it's, it sounds like you've really learned to trust the source. Yeah, because sometimes yeah. people are inspired or have what, but they distrust it. They're like, oh, you know what? Maybe you know, I'm just that's, I, I like that's like, you know, that's something I wish, but that's I can't do that. You know, in other words, they distrust themselves, their right. own inspiration. It, yeah, I mean, that, and that comes down to you could say confidence or faith or insecurity mm-hmm. and doubt. Um, sure, kind of they like, go hand in hand, right? And well, so, but, like, um, then you mentioned like uh, aligning with the dreams somewhat. Okay. Yeah, and so when you, I have that we can maybe get into that a little bit further. I do have like models all drawn up and stuff, but like wow. Basically, <laughs> so let me ask you something. Here you are, you're ten years old. You're going into your adolescent years. Okay, are you still continuing to have these dreams or or these visitations or what happened? Yeah, um, basically, I I um I wanted to know what was going on because in my in, from my point of view, telekinesis. Um, uh, telepathy, all of that stuff is very real. Since ever okay. since I was a kid, it's very real. I don't, and so now then you have science saying, no, nah, none of that stuff's real. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. So it's like, well, it is, it is real. It, you know, it, it happens all the time. So, let's, do you let's think stuff out. then like remote viewing and all these things that uh, supposedly, let's say for example, scientists don't say exist, but then you you find out later on they've got programs where they've been studying it. 
Totally. You're, okay. Yeah, and so that's when I actually got a hold of one. I'm sure you've heard of, uh, maybe you haven't, I don't know, uh, Yuri Geller. Of course. Yeah, so I got one of his little packets when I was like 10 or 11, and it, it basically had a couple little meditation exercises in it. But what mm-hmm. it came with was um, a dowsing crystal. So okay. learning to dows with a crystal, like show me yes, show me no kind of oh, thing. You're dowsing with crystals? Okay. Yeah, so okay. I started practicing dowsing and then uh, also remote viewing like colored cards in different rooms and just, just the exercises he had in his book, basically. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm very familiar with Yuri Geller. I didn't know that he had that book that basically was teaching exercise. I'm very familiar with dowsing because I'm a dowser myself. And yeah, I've doused I, I looked, for many I years. For but... Recently, but I couldn't find it. Um, that, was, that would have been 27 years ago. I'm 37 now at this point. So okay, I so basically it. what? It's out of print and what? He has other books for sale. That that aren't the packet, you know, like it was right, like a that's what I'm saying. That came with actual tools to use. To you know what? I hate to say it, but you know how everything now is on an ebook. Yep. That's one of the things I miss about printed material, because once you had it, even if it went out of print, you had it. Right. And uh, because believe me, I'm I'm a. Uh, if there was anything I hoard, it would be books. Printed I don't material. You know what I'm saying? But there's been times where I've kept books, not really thinking, oh, you know, and later on, 10 years later, it's like, my God, nobody has this book except me. You know, it feels like that. Um, but um, it, so here you are, you're going into um, what point did you, how can I say it? You're, you're taking all this information in. You're, they're giving you, obviously, it sounds like a really contradictory version of what the world is versus what you've learned. Or You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, where, did you ever try to test any of the theories or did you just accept it like point blank? Like, okay, because how, how did you handle that? So basically the way I saw it was there's earth, there's the natural flows of reality. And then mm-hmm. there's the man-made pebbles that are getting tossed in by everyone that's creating their expected versions of reality. Sure. Um, and so for me, it was stay free of delusion. I, you know, learn what they're saying, pick it up, all that stuff, but mm-hmm. know that it's just someone else's thoughts. It's someone else's experience. Sure. Um, it's not really like true to the flows of energy. And it's kind of like just man-made things that are. Um, now, do you think, and I want to say, you know, that saying somebody's perception is their reality. Do you think we're all living in different realities at the same time? We're all living in different delusions that all exist within time. Okay. So how, what do you consider then the reality? In other words, and I understand perfectly well, the delusion is because that's our perception, even if it's delusional, but we each have our own, like, because obviously. Exactly. Even the most, like, sane perception is still mm-hmm. considered a delusion because it's your individual perception of experience at the end of the day right exactly yeah there's nobody else in your skin uh and you'll even have people that you know are witness to the exact same occurrence and they'll have different versions of it for themselves because so how do you how's this so at what point do you say because let me tell you something that's because we get subjected to this messaging all the time about the world okay Whether it's with our eyes, with, you know, television, with anything, media, other people talking to us. You know, we get bombarded with this messaging that sounds like it's contrary to what you see as, how, how do you handle this? How do, how do you handle knowing or living one thing versus... I, I hear you. Um, so you have to know, you, <laughs> knowing your body well is key. 
Okay. Um, meaning like um, what creates every single little motion of your body. Like um, even if you have subconscious twitches and, and cringes, that mm-hmm. came from an outside thought of some sort. Um, and so to identify where those outside thoughts are coming from, like, even if it's just like, why is the color red making me slow down? Oh, maybe it's because men put all the stop signs everywhere. Sure. And so now red means stop and red lights mean stop and red means danger. And um, it's conditioning. We're conditioned to the. Yeah. So, I, you know, to be aware of your conditions is the first step, you could say. And then you mm-hmm. kind of somewhat retrain your mind to see things in a different way um, to where you see it's just a projection of a man. OK, that's just basically like the dog barking next door. They're just. You don't mm-hmm. ignore it. And so at the end of the day, you end up finding your true zero, you could say, um, like the, the you in full confidence, the you of full awareness, the you of full mind, full body, full spirit. And um, from that point, you can grow is an easier okay. way of putting it. And so okay. when it when it comes to like, so knowing your body well, say this person says something or you see something, well, you, you feel when you get shifted from the greatest connection to yourself. Okay. And so that I, I would say that's an important aspect of it. It's staying true to you, right? You're, you're, you, in other words, you know how to read your body or your intuition. Exactly. Yeah, because from a moment of so, say you get in a point of meditation, you're sitting perfectly quiet, perfectly still. What's the next action you're going to make? And so by exploring that alone, it it'll, it'll teach you a lot about yourself. And you'll you'll understand like what kind of karma you're undergoing or what's going with it, and and then from there you can basically do what I call ego steering. Okay. You, know, where you, you almost have to posture up, in a way, and like counteract the pacing emotions to bring yourself to zero. Um, yeah. Let me ask you. So, and I guess my, I guess my question is, how do you, and I know you're talking about, but how do you maneuver everything when you've surrounded it, maybe at some point with people? that are not where you're at in other words they're acting on the paradigm of if you want to call them delusions and you're like after a while don't you like it oh my god you know how, how do you handle that um you kind of got to go with the flow okay <laughs> all right you now you go crazy like all right you guys don't know what you're seeing and that's uh, that's what's so important about it. i mean you can get put into different flows of space like if you say you're at a rock concert or something like that mm-hmm. everyone starts like um I forget what it's called, where they start like hitting each other and like mashing, maybe. Oh, that mashing! I never got that, and I know, uh, but it's like I'm not into painters. Yeah, yeah, I know it. I know exactly what you're saying. So, like, go ahead. try to remove yourself. From, well, it, it depends on what you're trying to do with your life, right? So, if you want to go mash, go, you know, go mash. But like, um, as far as controlling your posture, it's going to be more challenging if you put yourself in that environment, right? Mm-hmm. So, a lot of it is environmental. Um, you could say so. Even just being around people that are very pacey, kind of like what you were just saying, sure. um, will will shift you from zero. Um, Let me ask you a thing. How does, do you consider that self-preservation figures in anything? Um, universal preservation? Well, let's say, you know, let's go on the belief that really and truly the only one you have control over is yourself. All right. Right. Control of anything else or anyone else is, that is an illusion, which unfortunately a lot of us labor under. Okay, so you're thinking, uh, let's say in an act of self-preservation, you, yeah, you could try to, let's say something happened, you could try, but there's sometimes choices that we make on an individual basis, which you just described it, make the difference between self-preservation or putting yourself in a situation where you're at risk, different levels of risk, of course, but how does that figure in the way you look at um, 
when you're saying I've meditated, is there something that gauges you that tells you, you know what, in an instinct of self-preservation, I should not do this or go there or well, whatever? That, that's kind of why I went to universal um, okay. preservation was, was the word. Because what, what am I? You know, clearly mm -hmm. I am my body. Right. In, in a physical sense, in a, in a well, but in a, in, a, in a bigger sense, I am also you. I'm also uh -huh. the people next to me, my family, my loved ones, the people I care about, my heart. And so far, as, as far as like self-preservation, it's more of a universal preservation of like what creates me um, in a way. But when you are part of the universe, right. the universal preservation is key. Well, and I and guess what I'm referring to is maybe your physical aspect. I do, I do agree with you. I believe that the us, whether you want to call it our consciousness, spiritual, I don't, whatever you want to name it, that is beyond like a, a, a collective. It's part of, it's not like that individualistic thing that we got going on with the body, with a flesh suit, if you want to call it that. But yeah. there's, you know, considering that we, um, in the world that we operate, that there's times where, I guess what I'm trying to say is that intuition, because I'm going to call it intuition. I don't know if you call it intuition, but that intuition that guides you that you've described, are there ever times where it, works without let's say going into meditation where there's a moment of self-preservation that it guides you and tells you don't do this don't go there maybe that is self-preservation but i always right. see that more as like a synchronicity like okay. that's the synchronous that so it maybe it's a self-preservation from ultimately falling into a tighter spiral of delusion one where okay. i'm from the laminar flow so like say if i were to do this then now i have to basically undergo some type of karma or something of that nature so instead mm -hmm. go this way and is that's this is the way of the laminar flow um like your greatest spiral okay now you said something about karma how do you define karma it's the um spiral you're currently within like the what creates your next action okay. um like say after this interview you know for example we're, mm -hmm. we're all going to have an action yes why you could do anything out of all the different choices you could you could do. I mean, you could do infinite things. You know what? I want to stop you right here because you know what? And, and this is really fast. No, no, no. This is really fascinating because you know what came to mind? I'm sure you've seen that movie, The First Doctor Strange. I don't know if I've seen Doctor. I've seen Marvel or like. Captain okay, well, Marvel. I'm not that much into a superhero, but I, I really like I really like Benedict Cumberbatch. He's like, but he has this. If you ever if you haven't seen it, see it because you're gonna maybe you'll think of Marlene. There's this part where he puts. He, uh, one of his things is there's a scene where he sees all the infinite possibilities of a moment. Yeah. All right. And it's very interesting because what you just described was like, hey, that's Dr. Strange. This is great. Because <laughs> like you said, all right, let's say subsequent uh, afterwards, you know, of all the choices that you could make of what you're going to do or respond, you know, as far as how you describe karma. Yeah, and that totally is basically what the deal is. I mean, when, if you're at a point of true zero, like mm -hmm. true zero, no mind, no, like mind, body, and spirit perfectly centered, and the universe is somewhat crystallizing around you, or you're perfectly at one with the flow, um, you can see all the different potentialities of experience that where you could go pretty easily. And maybe it's not the exact future, but it's like a 99.999%. If I do this, this is going to happen. If I do that, that's going to happen. Now, um, to where you know kind of like where you're going right now let me ask you how do you figure that like what you just described when you have to interact with other people 
who you do not know what they're going to do when it how as in how it affects you. Okay. Yeah. How do you know until what till you reach that moment or what? Um, basically, in order to even connect with someone, you have to somewhat jump into their delusion. So it's emerging. Of wow, my God. That's Lucius. That's a big head game. You know that. I'm listening to you. And I'm like, whoa. But it's great. Keep going. <laughs> and like the easiest way for me to describe um, that is like, and so every, every experience has a different length. For example, okay. and I always go to the extremes because it's really easy to see for most people. Like if there's a drug addict, they basically need to finish their spiral every like 20 to 30 minutes or something like that. Um, And so if you are not, if you're in a bigger flow of space, as far as like your line of sight, Mm -hmm. you can easily look into the delusion of someone, see what they're doing, see how they react. And you basically can jump into their, their spiral of existence and and help guide them to the bigger flows of reality. Um, And so when it comes to like interacting with a person at any time, any moment, you see what they're experiencing, right? I mean, people naturally do that all the time. Like when you, when someone's busy, you don't bother them. You know, if someone's at the counter, well, that person's probably the clerk or something. I don't know. You buy the food from them. Um, So people Mm -hmm. naturally always jump into the delusion and expectation, the assumption of the other person. Um, And so that's what it comes down to is being able to, in quotes, speak many languages um, as into like be able to go with many different flows of experience. Right. And so you kind of have to like learn how to maneuver within those flows of space time. Right. And, Meanwhile, and staying rooted and true to yourself. Right. And understanding that's the part I was like, I'd be like, Whoa. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes I have a time like remembering what did I eat yesterday? You know, because we're so caught up multi multitasking, <laughs> um, right. you know, yeah. that you kind of lose that. And even now, for a lot of people, you just tell them to simply meditate, which is to stay still and not talk, and they can't handle it. Like, put the phone down and go sit in a corner and don't listen to music, don't watch anything except maybe go, yeah, it's it's really yeah. impossible for a lot of people. They think, well, the, it sounds simple, but it's not. Well, for most people, like, as life goes on, the delusions get compounded on top of each other sure. to where they find themselves stuck in, like, this, okay, now I do this, now I do this, now I do this. And all they can ever see is their line of sight. I mean, that's all anyone ever has. And and your line of sight is directly related to the spiral of experience you're existing within. So, like, if your line of sight is, like, I need to finish high school, mm-hmm. you're not going to want to do anything different until because you have to finish high school first. Now, if your line of sight is, I'm going to the grocery store, that's, right. like, your line of sight. It's how far into the time you're able to see, make decisions based off of. Um, you can't branch away from there because you've already created that entire experience almost. Um so you, you find that people take these different lengths of spirals and they can even solidify to be like years long. Sure. You know? yeah. Of course. Of or course. people. Yeah. You know, once upon a time, it was called setting a goal. You know, I'm just being facetious, but you know what I'm talking about? That there was a time like write down your goals and make them happen. What's your five-year goal? You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, For, have, I mean, I had mine, you know, yeah. I had my, my tenure in my life. And so that's why it's like um, how it's good to have goals. But it's also good to be flexible because if not, you end up um, kind of blocking yourself off from reality because you've solidified into this like posture doing this specific thing. I see it as rigidity eventually equals death. Yeah. And also it's harder to connect to certain people. Um, Of course, because sometimes you will come across people that are really, really outside of your realm of interaction. And if you're really rigid or not flexible, you there's no communication, even even if it's nonverbal, 
Um, let me ask you, when you said that, that you said earlier, that thing about um, inter, I don't know if you consider them inter or intradimensional beings, yeah. uh, as far as uh, extraterrestrials, this did, are they the source of what, of what that visitation that you had? It's always a, a meeting of halfway, right? So even if you're going out on a date, right, you have to go there and then the girl has to go there or other, you know, other way around. So it's like always a meeting of halfway when it comes to okay. the universe and experiences happening. And so in a way, I would say that we met halfway, you know, okay. like um, I was reaching out meanwhile, they were reaching out. And so it's a connection of the two. Um, but that's, um, and obviously it sounds like it wasn't like this one time thing where you said man that was really crazy it's it really it made it you made an impression so much that that was years and years and years ago and yes. it sounds like it and from that moment your the way you looked at life or living changed profoundly well um, i would call that a lesson it was like one lesson okay um, yeah and like um as um, you gain awareness, you, you're able to get more lessons. It's the easiest way right. of putting it. And, or like more aware, because like in order to understand like some of the stuff, you have to know astrophysics. <laughs> like, okay. All right. And and, right? and that's super interesting because I know that. But my point, I guess, is when you were 20 years old, 10 years old, you weren't an astrophysicist. You were a kid. You no, see what I'm saying? And you like. In order to, you... Yeah. So, but to explain it to other people, well, they want oh, sure. scientific explanations. So now yes. I have to go learn all the science. So I can give it to him in a scientific way. Let me ask you, do you think that what you're describing, you can measure it, model it? I mean, because it sounds yeah. like something, really? Yeah. To, I, I mean, to me, I'm just saying it like to me, it sounds like something that if somebody said, hey, I want you to reproduce this in a lab or uh, give me a model for it so that I can do it. Yeah, I guess the thing I've been working on, um, I had Pat Pending. Uh, it's the okay. uh, interdimensional telescope. Really? So, like, a telescope that will allow you to see into different dimensions? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Let me tell you something. That is, like... Now, is this... I'm, I'm not going to... This is me, like, not knowing. Is this something... No, it's not like the Collider, the one that they've got, the CERN thing, right? This is We're talking to, totally different things, right? They are different things, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but they almost work off similar principles, like of mm -hmm. having to accelerate space timing while creating counter rotations. Basically, you need to make a magnetic vortex. Easiest way to put it. Okay, but what you're thinking of? It's something. What's the word I'm looking for? Smaller or more? Or is it because that thing is huge over there? Well, the, no, it's not actually smaller. If anything, it might be a little bit bigger. Um, this one. <laughs> Talk about mis yeah. my misunderstanding. No, no, you're understanding correctly. So basically from um, the very simplest, most rudimentary version of it, it needs to be like a, at least a 12 and a half mile long straight tunnel. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because you need to move, you need to stretch the space that would be like one mile away from you to mm -hmm. 12 and a half miles away from you. Meanwhile, creating a counter rotation of four times. Um, and so, so that just comes down to like the different layers of experience that exist within our dimension. You know, I could get more into that layer uh, later. Sure. Oh, and let me ask something. When you're saying that 12 mile stretch, basically, what are you trying to do? Bring those two points together within that? 
No, it'd be more creating an expanded light state. So oh. we think we live in, we do live in a universe, right? right. But we think that the universe is expanding from every single point in space and time. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could say that our perceptions are being stretched based off of our inertial reference frame within time. So there's two different ways you can look at it. Um, oh. You could, yeah. So like okay. the universe is expanding is literally just a physical on physical relationship. But at the most fundamental level, we have a consciousness perceiving a field of energy. And so that's why the universe looks like it's expanding from every single point in space. Um, It's because no matter where you would be, you would still be within that greatest orbit of all time. Let me ask you, in this interdimensional, if you were successful, and we could look, basically what you're describing is being able to view into other dimensions or... With just your normal eyes. You just look down the tunnel, you'd see another dimension. Whoa. That's that right there. Is that, do you think that's, I don't know, I guess, you know, fear of the unknown kind of deal that we've been ruled by. What do you think will come of it? Is it, is it, let me ask you, is it looking or are we opening a doorway? Or is it just being able to look in there? It's harmonizing two layers together. Um, But it would turn off the second you turned it off. It would turn on the second you turned it on. And if they were looking through mm-hmm. it, they would also see you. Okay. So it'd right. be opening a doorway potentially. Okay. Okay. In other yeah, words, it's I mean, not like you you only one on one on our side. We'd be looking there, and they, let's say we exactly. would be looking at a landscape, whatever you know. Yeah. No. You. It most likely they'd. It's, I think that they would be able to see through as well. Oh. Whatever's on the other side would be able to look back. Yeah, for sure. What do you think? What do you think would happen, uh, or what do you think will you will see? Let's say because you're you. This is what. What do you think we'll we'll see? The now future. So when you all depends. Are you looking for, looking into a less dense realm, meaning the now past, or are you looking into a more dense realm, meaning the now future? And so depending how far into time in which direction you want to look is what mm-hmm. you would see. So you could either see like almost the earth before humans were even on it, potentially, you know, if you want to look at the past or you could see um, the future of earth. And it's not really the future. It's more of like a earth in a denser realm. Um, right. I know so what you're saying that, that, that it's like, green. it almost sounds like, I, I mean, could this lead to time travel? Yeah, for sure. It's all, it's all within time. And so to do for time travel, you would basically turn it 90 degrees like a 90 degree angle to our our gravitational field essentially um yeah because if you're if you're pointing the within the line so say here's earth right Mm -hmm. and here's space yeah density is towards the center of the earth less dense is up but as far as the flow of time like our the flow of our four-dimensional experience of time like our our perception of time that's related to tangential motion so like the sideways motion right and so basically by turning the device 90 degrees, now you basically have like a time machine. It, it, it's a machine. No, I, I, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I'm going by all the Hollywood tropes is like the butterfly effect. I mean, right. are we, t- you know, I, I mean, and I know that this is Hollywood making up a movie, but is that a reality? Do you the think that if we ever, well, you know that. You know that they when they say about this time travel that if you ever let's say go back in time and you did something to alter it something that basically it would you would see the results of it in the future. It's, 
Yeah, it's all instant because there's only one creator now. Um, okay. And so it would create ripples in the past, ripples in the future. Mm -hmm. Everything's like quantum. That's where quantum entanglement comes into it. Past, present, and future all overlap in the greater now, which is like the, the bigger circle of all that. Um, so in other words, it almost sounds like just watch it, but don't go there because it's like it would be almost worrisome what would come of it if we ever went, let's say, this is me making things up as I go, being able to go into a doorway into the past, let's say, like yeah. how would you, or by our very presence, or would that already have been part of that past anyway? You know. I don't know. You see what I'm, I'm saying? Not, is it no, like, that's, it's that's almost. Where, I can't, I can't really speak on that. You know, I don't know. The way I do see it though is like uh, when we look into the future, it's not necessarily the future we'll experience mm -hmm. because we still have to experience four dimensional, you know, our flow of time until we get to that point. But during that process, the flow of creation is still moving over that point that you've looked at. And right. so it can, get, it can, it's almost like water in a river and say you look, you're a drop of water and you have an out of body experience. Now you're floating above the river. You can see where in the river you will end up going. Mm -hmm. Right, but by the time you actually get there, um, a fish could have swam by and moved a rock or something like that. Sure. So I think I think that people can see the now future and the now past, but they can't necessarily predict the exact future or past because of that. Well, let me throw this one at you. You know, as far as extraterrestrials visitation, you know, I've heard the theory of that some of these ETs are our future selves coming yeah. back in time. Uh, whether it's to prevent some catastrophe or harvest genetic material, name it. But that a lot of times what we're seeing is a future version of us. I don't, I don't know how far in the future. Do you think yep. that's a possibility? Definitely. And I think that is very likely um, because of interdimensional alignments that occur. So basically, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to consider that we live in a black hole okay. and energy is spiraling towards the center, we exist at a certain layer from the, a certain distance from the center of a black hole, but there's always energy constantly spiraling inward. Like your entire, the energy of your creation exists from the beginning of time in that sense, the very outer edge all the way to the center of time. And basically when you're properly aligned with that flow, you're able to pass information um, from those past and future lives. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if you're gathering information from a denser realm, mm -hmm. 90, I mean, there's a, good chance it's like your future self um in in that regard so let me ask you that idea you know how you always think of you know how they measure distance light years basically what we're saying it's not really light years as in travel distance wise you know how they say by the light the, you know the light years are we talking their intradimensional travel which is not that idea of distance i guess linear it's not totally a, different totally different yeah i mean and that's what, what where it's like, is the universe actually expanding? How far away are the galaxies, really? Mm -hmm. Because if okay. you consider the now moment and your perception being manifested from a, a fifth dimensional vortex, okay. basically the universe is being stretched away as matter is crunching to you. Okay. But then in the past, everything reverts back to normal. And so literally the galaxies are the space between atoms, but they're being stretched away. And so they get spread out. And so there's different harmonics of resonance that match up with human perception um because we experience it's it's hard to discuss but basically we experience a piece of matter twice per orbit once in the future and then once in the past um as it orbits around time right. so and, our and, uh, whole idea of space time and how far away things are is based off of our inertial reference frame 
And if you're orbiting a black hole, half of the energy is being crunched to you and half of it's being stretched away. But then as you leave that spot, the energy returns back to normal. So you have a stretching and crunching in the opposite direction. And what we have is our, you know, the human body, which is an overlapping of denser realms and less dense realms being manifest in that regard, constantly blipping in and out of solidity. So in other words, it's almost like, let's say when they look at through these giant mega telescopes, what they're seeing in some cases is very old. In other words, by the time we see it, is that something? That I mean, that's, so that's definitely like, there's different ways to look at like it. Like in other I mean, words, that's not what you're seeing it now, but that's not really what it is right now. If there was a way to, because you're telling me it's expanding, it's changing. So there's definitely the currently the the current accepted view of the okay. universal expansion, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that is exactly what you just said. This the light we saw took a hundred thousand years to get here, or fourteen billion years to get here, um, because it's fourteen billion light years away. But ev everything is literally relative to your current position and your line of sight. So if Imagine if we didn't even have an Earth, we didn't have anything, we're just floating mm -hmm. in space. All the okay. matter, all the light that you see is literally in your relative frame of motion. Okay. You could all be traveling a million miles an hour, you could be traveling, you know, 100,000, you know, like, it's all in the same speed as you. And okay. so when it comes to orbits within a greater center, literally our entire dimension is orbiting a greater structure. Like, we, we see a distance away from the center of time. Um, and so when it comes to actually perceiving information now, have you ever been in a Gravitron? No, but I know what you're talking about. No, I, okay. I look at that and, and I thought I'm going to come out barfing. So no, I, 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 know what I have drawings of all this stuff, but like the easiest way to see it is like um, the energy between you and the center is being crunched to you. Mm -hmm. And that's that same energy, that same fluid of experience on the backside of you is trying, is trying to get stretched away. Right. So in essence, matter is, so this is as you approach in the future, matter is crunching to you and light is stretching away and then as you leave that spot of perception everything okay. reverts back to normal because it's all about perception perception in relationship, in relationship to an orbit so we literally only perceive a certain dimension as far as distance from the center of time and that's related to our alpha beta state of consciousness yeah. slow and fast gamma you're in a you're in a higher frequency and then exactly. delta and theta you're in a a less dense frequency right exactly which is yeah a lot of the brain waves and stuff like right before you go to sleep etc let me ask you and, and this is a theory i heard about like maybe a couple of months ago it's a little bit off of what you said but you tell me what you think about this theory i can't remember out of what university we were talking about ex it, it, the theme obviously was extraterrestrial visitation and he was saying uh that his theory was that Contrary to the belief that there's a gazillion million, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating here, of ETs that have come or are coming to visit us, that in reality, most of them stopped long ago. In other words, that based on his model of civilizations can expand only so much before they start to, um, what I'm thinking of is before they start to collapse. That in other words, if there was a civilization on another planet, another galaxy, whatever, that was far enough to start doing interstellar travel, at some point they would stop because it was it, it would either be stop and conserve what we have, or if we keep expanding as far as exploration of other worlds, our civilization will collapse. And the theory was that in reality, there's probably not even any ET visitation. 
but again, that's that's based on a theory of different from what you're saying. Well, definitely different than what I'm saying. But I mean, the, I I know what you're saying. It's like societies get to a point where they become self-destructive almost. Like so, right? Like in other words, they expand, they they grow, whether it's technology or whatever. Right. But there comes a point that they outgrow their own survival. And they either have one of two choices. Either they stop growing and conserve themselves, or they keep going and then it collapses. No, I, I hear what you're saying totally. And that's why, just to kind of keep continue on that train of thought, mm-hmm. um, they, they always kind of go circle back to that's why it would most likely be artificial intelligence if it were ah. to have survived to that next layer, right? Like say – you know, because the the species might pass away, but our our AI is still exploring space. Okay. You know, building other AI robots and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, but that is thinking about it differently than what I was just talking about, for sure. Right. Do you think then, as far as let's let's go with the ET AI, do you think just strictly AI, or are we talking biomechanical uh, ETs? You know, whether they're being sent as emissaries or workers or scientists, or are they strictly AI that? Oh, I mean, I don't think they're AI, though. I think that they're no? interdimensional. Okay. Yeah. They're interdimensional. And I'm going to say organic, organic as in non-AI, whatever right. their organism is. <laughs> you know, and then this is the thing, you know, we get, you know, and I'm sure you've seen it. You know, we uh, like they, they send out explorations to the moons of Jupiter and this, and they're like, you know, it might be habitable because we think there's water underneath the surface. But I'm always thinking this is life as we know it. But that doesn't mean that yeah. there's another form of life that could survive and procreate or whatever under circumstances that for us would be – forget it. There's no way we could survive there. So some- Totally. Yeah, no. I mean like all over the earth, there's extremophiles, right? And they, they can go into any different – like so you have beings that literally live off chemical reactions within rocks already on our own planet. Like mm-hmm. yeah, life doesn't stop at the edge of the – in my opinion, right? It just keeps right. going. Um Every single little nook and cranny on Earth is filled with life. Sure. Yeah. But I'm, but, but also, let me ask you: Do you think then that e, the ETs that come here, they're not nece- they don't necessarily have to be like our life form? They could. Of course be- not. Yeah, yeah. No, they can be. They could be like. Uh, um, the further from Earth you go, the less likely we'll even be able mm-hmm. to recognize life, because okay. it's so unearthly. It's just sure. so so out of our understanding of what what that's life like we didn't you know we didn't realize that was yeah life. That, that's actually right that because yeah. of course we only you know we can only conceive you know and i understand that i i mean i think that is so you think then do you think there's more than one uh type of et that interacts with us or has interacted with us potentially but i think at the end of the day it's all source meaning like um very interdimensional straight from all, our orbit within time so like um we love we live a certain distance from time right and mm-hmm. so basically they would be most likely denser creations or less dense okay yeah do you think i'm gonna because everybody asks do you think that they're observing us friendly unfriendly or what what do you think both um yeah definitely uh i wouldn't say, i don't know if they're necessarily observing us but they're definitely connected to us because we're all one within this giant field of energy at the end of the day. Um, And then as far as like good or bad, well, there's good and bad all over the place. Right. Well, I think that the, the, um, the less dense realms, meaning like the outer realms of experience are more harmonized than the denser realms. 
But that doesn't mean that there couldn't be some type of like evil intent out in those lesser dense realms. Evil as we understand it. Exactly. Evil as we understand it, like good and bad. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, you know, and I've discussed this on other shows. And by the way, I'm not abject. I'm not saying evil is good. But, you know, we have a moral compass that sometimes, you know, we would say an ET or whatever would have that we could say, well, they don't see things the way we do. We would call them evil. And it's like, no, not necessarily. They might do something that we perceive as being evil. But maybe for them, they don't. Their moral compass is totally different than ours, regardless of what the effect is upon us. All right. Um, and I say, you know, it's a bad comparison, but bit, let's say a lion hunts down and kills a gazelle. Some people go, oh my God, he killed the gazelle. But the, the lion wasn't being evil when it was killing the gazelle, it was doing it for, it was for survival. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and I know I could. I mean, we could get into, you're hoping, you're hoping that, you know, if it's advanced enough, if you, if we're talking an extraterrestrial civilization or species that can visit us or interact with us, that it would be so far advanced to say, let me take it easy on these poor humans. <laughs> you maybe, know, because maybe just see us as like an anthill. Oh, see, you're going there, huh? <laughs> you're going there. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's part of create, it's, it's part of life. Like, um, we, we, they've been around forever since the beginning of time to the end of time like it's not gonna do you think we'll I'll... ever be doing that do you think we'll ever be visiting other civilizations we're already visiting other worlds yeah i mean like and we're already um somewhat taming animals as well like we were you know i've got my cat and you know someone else has a dog or whatever like we're already like domesticating animals and visiting other planets Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I would say if we went to another planet, there's a good chance we would try to domesticate the animals. Sure. sure. Yeah, I mean. Well, especially if, if let me ask, you said that you were working on a book now. What is yeah. that book about? Um, the one right now is called Mind, The Shifter okay. and Reorganizer of Notes. And basically it talks about how the various states of your consciousness um, interact the fields of energy as matters being manifest into our experience. Okay, let me ask you, do you think then, what what are you saying as far as manifestation, as far as our thoughts manifest, um, yeah, so how, something manifest? Yeah, basically how thoughts react um, to the physical creation. Yeah. React, but not create. Uh, um, both. Both? both? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So do you do believe that we can do that as human beings? Definitely. Okay. And you know where I'm going with that because a lot of people some of them when you talk to them about manifestation um we're you know in other words physically i want to use physically because of the perception that we have of things some people think that it can't be done you know that that's like uh well i have that's why i've been trying to like uh figure out good ways of trying to explain this stuff right and mm-hmm. um this book i think does a pretty good job in my opinion um so like, what are you are you basing this on certain steps are you basing this on your own experience of this is what i did or so in um the book your influence in space i start from accepted physics um okay. theories of relativity with albert einstein and all that stuff mm-hmm. and then i basically take it step by step and so the, the first book is going through human evolution the evolution darwin's theory of evolution right like literally so you know we evolved on earth but we also evolved around a sun and we also evolved in an expanding universe right so i go through all that stuff and i and i show that light 
is the, the most advanced sense for human beings. It's not a speed limit. It's just literally our most advanced sense when it comes to evolution. Um, the speed of light is our fastest sense. Electromagnetism is the sense of, it is our information exchange system. So basically everything's relative to our experience. And from there it goes into um, a new way to look at things where I, where I introduce the mind, body and spirit diagrams and I call it the liquid light state universe. Where all okay. the different wants, don't wants, assumptions and expectations are all rippling outwards, um, creating distortions within a field of energy. But then basically the, the only way that's even possible is if we're orbiting a black hole. Um, and so it, that goes into the crystal of time where we see that literally the, the, we're orbiting a black hole, which is. Let me answer that because I, I, I've always heard black holes will suck things in and you're. Whew, isn't that isn't that kind of like dangerous or. Well, what? so that's where, again, like, um, you know, you got to take people step by step to show them that we actually live within a black hole. Okay. And then um, that we can't see one time the speed of light outward past the smooth cosmic microwave background. Mm-hmm. And we can't see one time the speed of light inward into the center of black holes. So our, our um, entire field of energy is literally one time the speed of light outward, one time the speed of light inward. Mm-hmm. And so from our perception, what we see is energy fractaling inward towards the center of all time. I, I know it's a little bit out there, but... It, but, um, you know, and the reason why I'm thinking is, I'm thinking what little I know of black holes is that you hear there no light exists inside a black hole, all right? Well, light doesn't escape a black hole. Okay, so light doesn't escape a black hole. Yeah, so if you're in the black hole, though, you know, light's coming into it, uh, but it's not escaping it. Ah, uh, okay, And so okay. That, that's one of the... I, I didn't come up with this theory. Um, well, I came up with... But I came up with... I found out that, you know, I thought we live in a black hole, but then, like, it turns out... Mm-hmm. Other people have thought similar things. So, okay. like, um, it's I'm not the first person, in a way, to say that we live in a black hole. Um, and there's definitely, like, very well thought out physics papers on it and all that stuff. So, it's, it's just interesting because sure. that, that's going to be like the, you know, Galileo went around saying the Earth went around the sun. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, no, the Earth is flat. The sun goes around Earth. That's your perception. That's your perspective. Sure. So, from Earth, looking up, the sun goes around Earth. Those people are right. But if you're out in space, you see, hey, this, the Earth is actually orbiting the sun. Mm-hmm. So from our perspective, we look up, the universe expands from every point in space and time. Exit our dimension, our perception of time is being manifest from a certain distance from a black hole. So it really comes down to layers of perception. And Let me ask you, though, will we ever be able to observe that? With an interdimensional telescope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was like, boy, I don't know how we are going to be able to, you know, get that perspective there. That, that'd be like, in, in, you know what? One thing I wanted to but ask above, you about. I, I don't think so. But not, you, do you see what I'm saying? Me. It's like, how would we ever be at that vantage point where we would be able to see that? that one. Not to where you see like the, the whole black hole. I don't think you could have. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not but do you see what I'm it. saying to realize? Yeah, we are in a black hole. Even though to us it might not seem like we are, everything's relative, right? Like all the all the energy, all the information is just relative to our dimension, um, and everything orbits. Everything is in a state of orbit. Right, everything is orbiting one around the other, so forth. Uh, and, and when you said that thing about manifestation on an individual, what do you think is when we talk about collective manifestation? Or do you think there's such a thing? It's the individuals or whether we've been taught or shown or whatever 
Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like physical manifestation, you could say, is an overlapping of all the wants, don't wants, assumptions, and expectations of every okay. single person. It's the, the synchronization of all beings in the light state. But that also includes the lesser dense realms and the denser realms, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have the less dense realms and energy spirals into the center of a black hole, our layer, our distortions, like the flows of our creation are based off of the wills and wants of the, the less dense realms. But however, we have our field of energy where we're throwing in pebbles based off our own wants, don't wants, and we're distorting right. the denser realms. So in a way, the denser realms are a creation of our pacings and the less dense realms kind of somewhat create our pacings to begin with. And the reason why I'm asking is going back to what you originally said, that we're, con we're basically interfered with in our manifestation because of what we perceive or what we're shown. Okay, yes. like yeah, we're born into fractals of human creation to begin right. with. So it's like, okay, you're going to see it this way because you've been taught or shown to see it that way. Yep. So, and, and basically you manifest or you see what, you know, that thing you see what you expect to see? Yep, 100%. So, yeah. That, and let me t it, it takes a lot to walk away from that reality, though, from that perception, a lot. It I'll is. Tell you, it, it is. Sorry, I'll tell you on. right now, human beings are creatures of habit. We like our comfort zone. We like the knowns, even if it's ugly knowns. This is our comfort zone. It takes a lot to pull us away. I mean, even from habits, sometimes we can't break habits because we're so enamored of our our, our, our routine. How's that? So to do something like that, that takes, let me tell you something, hats off to you <laughs> for being able to do that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, some, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that would go, eh, I can't exist with that. Forget that. That was just, forget it. That, that, you know, I just, no. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's the most challenging thing I've been trying to, you know, not that I've been trying that hard, but like I, I first started speaking about this in more detail about 10 years ago. And it was kind of mm -hmm. just like, you learn to stop talking about it in a way because, okay. you know, you lose people are like, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy anymore. You know, it's, he's making like, me think, <laughs> well, you're, you end up being like, um, I don't know. Everybody has their expectations. And if you don't fit their belief system in a way, then they don't want to accept it. Let me just put it that way. Like, let me so, ask you. Know, you go ahead. Sorry. No, that the the theory that you have about that that interdimensional, basically, doorway uh, or whatever. Would would we ever be able to look into dimensions where we have other dim other dimensional beings? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Like, I think that's already what's happening when people go into like a fast gamma state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Is there already okay. tuned to that next layer of experience? And the way I see it is that, like, basically the brain is acting like a receiver. Okay. And based off of the frequencies that are existing within the brain is what layer of perception you're tuned to. Okay. And so that, that goes back to the different diameters of experience and realms and things of that nature. Because when you have um, your delta wave, that's literally like the, the longest wave of experience. It's the biggest physical wave, you know, within electromagnetic densities. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a certain size. Um, right. Theta is a different size. Alpha is a different size. Beta is a different size. Slow gamma, fast gamma. They're all different sizes when it comes to electromagnetism. And when you think about electromagnetism being manifested from a fifth dimension, um, mm -hmm. you realize that each one of those frequencies has a very specific orbit. Um, 
so the delta would be the biggest orbits of creation. The theta is one step in, alpha is one step in, beta is one step in, and each one of those is harmonizing with different fields of experience. And so basically, that's kind of what gives us the hint already that the denser realms are related to the, that 80 harmonics is within human experience because when people have near-death experiences or they're, you know, they do DMT or something like that, they have fast gamma waves going off in their brain. Right. And that's when they have out-of-body experiences. That's when they're connected to angels. That's when they're right. That's when they're speaking in a way to the next dimension. Right. They have that NDE, and you know, I'm sure you've heard of you know that they've done studies where people will witness things. Because some people will say, "Well, no, they were overhearing things," and yeah. some NDEers will describe conversations or other people in other rooms that there's no way that they could physically. Oh yeah, like the people are having out-of-body experience. Like from what I've seen, the people are having le- legitimate out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're witnessing an event that is not next to them in any way. Totally. Which also, and I know, and well, in this case, it's being produced because they're having a near death experience. Something happens to their body. That's that. Basically, it's about to. Do you think people sometimes accidentally fa- uh, fall into that whatever that state of the brain where they see things or witness things? This is without not meditating on purpose. I'm not talking about whether you're meditating or trying to have an out of body experience. I'm talking about uh, sometimes you know where you you'll you'll have people that say. All of a sudden, I, I was in another place. I saw either something from the past or from the future yeah. without really looking for it. Yeah, and I think that's when, you, if you were to harmonize to a different layer of creation, you would be seeing um, something like that, either the now past or the now future. Right. Yeah, Accidentally it, is what I'm saying. Not not because you were like, I'm trying to, Yeah, you like know. there's, there's a, you know, magnetic hotspots, you could say, that already mm-hmm. naturally create vortices um, okay. of energy. So like, you know, tornadoes of magnetic energy that are coming in. And so when that happens, there's a crunching and stretching of space time or, you know, you could either have a, a magnetic vortice that's stretching space time or one that's crunching it. And depending on if it's being crunched or if it's being stretched is whether or not you'd be experiencing a less dense realm or a more dense realm. Could, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, yeah. Because it's all it's all based off of electromagnetic densities in that regard in that regard. And they're all being manifest from the same black hole. The same vortex of energy is creating all moments. All experience comes from one source, one giant vortex. And so the now, the past exists in the now and the future exists in the now. And when you create a magnetic vortice that goes from smaller to bigger, well, now you're looking into the now past. And if you create one that's going from bigger to smaller, you're, you're looking into the now future. Um, so, yeah. That is, let me, I'm sure you're familiar with Skinwalker Ranch or you've heard of Skinwalker Ranch, Mm -hmm. you know, in Utah, in the Utah Basin. And I've heard that they theorize that there might have portals there. Do you think that's a possibility of having portals that exist without being created? Well, and that's the thing too, is what is the depth of, like, that's where we, I used to not really understand when people would say portal, it's like, oh, it's this physical portal, right? It's like a, Mm -hmm. a portal, but it's all consciousness. Um, in that sense, to where it's not necessarily like a physical portal, it's it's more of um, a harmonizing field, right? To where that that layer is being harmonized to our layer, and so natural portals exist all over space and time in that regard. Right. Um, so I, I understood it to be as where uh, interdimensional, you know, interdimensional beings, whatever they are, could cross over, definitely. and that they're there. Maybe we yeah. couldn't see them. But um, 
you know, in other words, as far as we know, they weren't created. They're there. For all we know, they were created by something else, but we just don't know it. Yeah. And, or, you know, or is it something that opens up, opens up only at certain times and then closes down, you know, and then opens up or shifts around? It's I, I one of those. They, I, I think there are alignments as okay. well. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely dimensional alignments. What do you think they're uh, aligned to? The, um, vortex of conscious experience so there's you could say a vortex mm-hmm. this is where i'm you know still working this out okay <laughs> you could right. say that our, our you could say conscious experience hangs 90 degrees to the vortex of time so like um i i kind of forgot where you were getting. well so, let me ask you and i guess what i meant to say was do you think there's either things in the geography or the topography of certain places okay that allow or for these portals if they do exist to open or stay open definitely. or can they just be random? Like, I mean, they could be random, but I, the way I see it is that they're definitely more related to like vortices. So like mm-hmm. magnetic hotspots, things like that. Okay. And okay. as far as creating structures, well, certain shapes and certain um, dense structures already, you know, they, for example, if you get a light and you shine it at a crystal, it makes a prism. Right. Yes. And so structures change the flow of space putting in the simplest words possible. And okay. so based off of the geometries alone, you can have those types of effects. Okay. So I feel like All the right. pyramids were used as interdimensional telescopes of sorts. Really? Yeah. Because Let me they, tell you something. I've heard, I've heard so many theories about what the real purpose of the pyramids were. Yeah. That yeah. obviously they were not used as big giant tombs, that there mm-hmm. was another purpose for them. Yeah, I see them as interdimensional telescopes because it has a lot. And that's why I was mentioning earlier, like the perfect zero, that perfect state of, of flow. And if you think about energy coming from the less dense realm to the more dense realm as a spiral of energy coming all the way to the center of time, um, our distortions, our fields of energy dis- create distortions within that energy as it comes through. And what a pyramid does is it creates a, a laminar flow. So basically it, it puts you in this... It basically makes the space-time less distorted to where you can okay. actually pick up those different harmonics of experience. It's really interesting that you say that thing about the spiral. I want to say in this third or fourth episode of Skinwalker Ranch, of this last season, there's one point where they bring a Native American. He's, he, oh my God, I can't remember. Well, he's very well known in the community. And he takes him up to a, a mesa. And there is, he, apparently it's pre- you know, from when the Native Americans were living there for many pre, I want to, I don't, I don't want to say if it's BC or afterwards, but it's a spiral. It's a spiral. What he's showing, he, he pointed it out and all of a sudden you, when he points it out, you go, oh my God, that's right. And he yep. was ex- describing it as a sacred place and they were just talking about portals and in right there in that middle and he says, there's a spiral. And you're talking about that spiral, and it makes you think, you know, because sometimes we all get caught up how intelligent, uh, how intelligent we all are now in present time. Um, We're way perhaps, more disconnected, though, right? Than like the oh, Native absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Al, Lucius, I was gonna call you, but I, I could talk to you. Like my brain's going. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot like, of information <laughs> no it's not even that it's not even that it's that you know i hate to say it but we become entrenched in our way of thinking and and i and i know that like i said because i'm a behaviorist we get 
you know, with exceptions like yourself, we get used to the, we feel comfortable in these routines or these ways of thinking, of perception. And when you start going outside of that or somebody tells you, like you said, people don't want to hear it. We're like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. Don't shift my paradigm. This is, you know, I, this is where I want to, right? you know, exist in. Don't start throwing stuff like might actually be true because then what else out there am I? It does not, is really a construct. You right. see what I'm saying? No, totally. It's like, I have to get up early tomorrow morning, so let me just finish binging my Netflix series. <laughs> and, and that's that. Unfortunately, we've kind of limited ourselves. Um, and I, I want to say that I think a lot of, um, what am I thinking of? And I'm not going to say this is tied into academic knowledge or intelligence, but that spark that humans have of thinking of stuff, of invention, of creation, it's been dimmed because we're so caught up with technology because it does so much for us. Yeah, that... That, yeah no, I hear you. I was, gonna, I was just about to say, because like, where does the innovative process start to? And it's like, for me, it starts in my dreams and it starts yeah. with like the ability to believe that you can even achieve, right? Sure. And if we're taught to like follow these structures, right? Mm -hmm. And that even that tell you that oh, your dreams aren't real, you know? Sure. People won't have confidence to follow their dreams. Um, and when it comes to like a creation and like the heart and the spirit of like, come, you know, it's all one. Like, it's so impossible. It's, it's 10 times more challenging to complete something if you're doubting yourself the whole way through it. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Well, a lot yeah. of things or, 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 or if you have the artistic type, they'll say, you know what? I wrote this piece of music or this based on a muse or, an, you know, an inspiration. I'm going to ask you real quick. What, could, what do you think about uh, Tesla's inventions? Uh, he was a smart man. Okay. Do you think yeah, he no, was? I think, I think he developed a lot more stuff than ever mm -hmm. actually hit the market. Yeah, I know he was Thank a really you. smart guy. Yeah. 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 It, it, that's, I was, uh, you know, some of the, what, what, what I've read about, you know, what he invented, unfortunately, the, the problems he had as far as funding, whether it was to expand it or it, whether because you know, they maybe certain ideas he had weren't convenient at the time. Uh, and I'm thinking, I wonder if they've got this stuff stored away somewhere. That's just me being. No, I've definitely heard of that too. I mean, like, he, yeah, apparently, you know, obviously he was trying to do, a lot of people have heard of um, the wireless transmission of mm -hmm. energy he was trying to do. Right. Right. And um, a lot of other things like that. And some people go back now today and they say, well, we could never have done wireless transmission of energy. It would have caused problems with our radios or it would have caused different problems. I'm sure we would have worked our way, way sure. around it. Exactly. You know? sure. uh, he's got a lot of ideas that just never got any. A lot of inventions. They got to start yeah. somewhere and then they get tweaked. Yep. You know, like the first plane. Hello. You mm -hmm. know, who would have said that, you know, we'd be going to the moon versus, you know, that that first thing that you look at it and you're like, yeah, yeah. talk about a suicide mission. But yeah, of course, tweaking, but somewhere along the line, you got to have that first innovation, that first, like what you described, whether you want to call it inspiration, idea. Yeah. Um, and you willing to think outside the box, right? Oh, of course. And you have yeah. so many people that, I, I can testify personally, that when you come out of sleep sometimes is when things come to you. Yep. You know, that where all of a sudden that you're like, man, wow, why didn't I think of that before? It could be the simplest thing, by the way. I'm not talking about something really deep, but it's almost that that moment that your brain actually, whether you want to say pulls it out of your subconscious or pulls it from somewhere, the Kashuk records, we can go anywhere with that, 
okay? But it's that your brain is open to receiving that information or figuring it out. Yeah, what's interesting about that too is, is sleep. You know, because you were talking about actually earlier, like how you have to like, kind of have a good connection to your dream world. Mm-hmm. I forget how you, the actual way you phrased it, but it, it's so much related to that. Yeah. And I feel like when we sleep, we get pulled closer to our true center yes. um, because our egos are somewhat removed, right? And so when you exactly. talk about creation within the fluid of this vortex, our egos are always like pulling us away from our true center, right? Oh, that's so Sure, because I, I, you know, I was a practicing hypnotherapist, and you know, one of the things is that we had I had a lot of clients that wouldn't go into REM sleep. All right, right. and I tell them the thing about the REM sleep is that when that's when the critical factor in your subconscious and your mind goes down. You know, that critical factor is the one that talks to you. Oh, that's BS. How could that be? Uh, all the stuff that that chatter when you're asleep, especially when you go into REM, is when that quiets down. Okay. Yep. And you go through your experiences and you either discard some, pull it in. And, you know, because I had clients that would say, oh, I sleep, but they really weren't going down into REM level. Um, and I mean, a lot of things come with it, you know, but yeah, as far as that being the time where your mind is goes, opens up, like you want to say, like a flower. And for some people, it's. Sometimes your subconscious will talk to you through symbols in a dream, and other times it's just like what you said. You get that idea, that that knowing, that aha moment. God, it's countless peoples. It, it is at that time when you sleep yeah, that, that so, happens. So if you're – yeah, exactly. So if you're far – this is just how I like to say it, right? So if you're far mm-hmm. away from your zero point, basically you're not going to get to a lucid state in your dream because okay. you're basically your mind's going to turn off. You're too filled with your own ego. And your subconscious essentially will control your dream world and it'll pull you back towards your zero point. But if you're already close to your zero point, when you go into the dream, now you have the potential of being lucid. Um, And so when it comes to just that natural energy of creation, spiraling inward towards center in a black hole, the energy first hits outside and then it hits closer and closer to the center. And so when you compare the orbits of your experiences. I mean, I was saying like Delta would be a, a certain size. Sure. Beta would be a certain size, Alpha and Beta, and they get smaller and smaller towards the center. You notice that that energy of that's drifting inwards, creating all experiences first actually interacts with Delta and Theta. And then, mm-hmm. and then it goes into Alpha Beta, which is our awake state. And then it continues on to slow and fast Gamma world. So like the energy of creation itself literally hits dreamland before it hits wake state. And that's yeah. the thing. And we, we, we even have even certain music, musical beats that will put us into it, whether it's alpha wave or beta, you know, as far as I tell everybody, you want to go, you know, these, well, when we were, you, more people were going to movie theaters, these big blockbusters that would have this move that you were immersed in it, that beat really would put you into that immersive state right. into the movie because it's changing basically your brain waves um, because we respond uh, to certain beats most usually the closer to a human heartbeat is what will put us there but yeah like you said it's uh, god yeah <laughs> for my podcast listeners lucius what is the website that they could go to to find out more information oh i have about? um luciuslabs.com and that's so spelled how l-o-o-s-h-e-s-l-a-b-s dot uh, com okay and i'm going to put a, a link to the, in the credits of the show Wow. <laughs> Let me tell you, 
what do you what do you go to sleep and put a notebook on the on your nightstand or no, no? no. <laughs> I try so that's where I've kind of somewhat trained myself too right to like um have a have um keep everything stored inside almost like memory uh okay. like so like growing up we didn't have cell phones that had everyone's numbers in it right absolutely but not how many people still remember phone numbers today yeah, but right? you ask so most people, what's their phone number? And they'll go, uh, yeah. Right, like they don't even know their own parents' phone number, like, or their mm-hmm. brother or their sister's phone number. And so for me, it's always been like, I, I've kind of noticed, like, we're becoming l- less talented in a way in that sense. Of course, sense. Like, absolutely you, we are. Yeah, so like you don't need to know as much. You don't even know how to, like, you don't you don't even know, need to know how to use a map because you can just hold your phone and follow the blue line. I'm not saying that's, yeah. that's so not I, what it yeah. is. It is a problem. I've noticed my map skills have diminished since the iPhone. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people. Yeah, so. You tell people, you know, do the long division. They look at you like, what? Let me get my yeah, calculator, because... right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me my calculator. Yeah. How about your multiplication tables? Right. Uh, <laughs> of and course. just now general information. It's like, let me Google that. And so it's getting to the point where people aren't actually – they're not really doing real learning in a way. No, they're more just not. like searching Google, and then mm-hmm. if Google's going to like filter your information, and then they're going to sure, pack it. And gonna... So it's very like even more distorted, and people are even more disconnected from reality. Right, it's convenient, <laughs> but there's a price to be paid for it. Exactly. Like I said, as far as our, you know, I. I know it sounds kind of corny, but you know, your mind, you gotta like the brain is like a muscle. You gotta use it. Oh, you gotta work it. Yeah. Um, whether it's to, when you have a problem, it's like, how am I going to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it on you boys. Most, once upon a time, men, you had to change tires. You ask some guys how to change a tire and they look like, huh? You know what? (laughs) And so, I mean, that's where it's like somewhat concerning. It's like, I I see where the future is going and it's like, wow, I think we need to get more connected to earth. (laughs) Right. And I mean, when I'm talking, I mean, what I mean by that is the practical side of life. You understand the, Definitely. the, uh, I've got a problem. How do I do this? Okay. I don't like you said, I'm not going to Google it, even though, let me tell you something, YouTube is great for how to's, but that's I've learned a the lot. Point. On, I've learned a lot doing that. But then I went <laughs> yeah. and did it afterwards, right? I went and right. did it because I had to. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? There's times where you might not have that or something where, okay, I got to figure this out. And sometimes we, you get a lot of people that just like, they wig out and they just shut down. Yep. Because that process of I can figure this out, let me see what I could do, is gone. Once upon a time, I think we, before all this uh, access to ready information, we were more reliant, self-reliant. Yeah, we had to figure stuff out. We totally. had to figure the stuff out. It was like yeah, like one oh, person. Yeah. That's why I, I always consider myself like the you know the jack of all trades, but an expert of none kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've really tried to like become the expert of all trades, <laughs> not just the yeah. jack of all trades. You know. Well, you know, but and, and I want to say that. Not all skills have to be a, a monumental. How's that? Right. It it it's Good just enough. like what is it in your life? Whatever your life is, what your whatever your life circumstances are, that you figure stuff out to help you survive or protect yourself or just hey, you know, I'm going to think of something so that I can water my plants better. I, I, you know, yep. um, thinking outside. You know that saying, thinking outside the box. A lot of us are very in that box. It's like, Definitely. don't take me I mean, out of here. That, that's what they define the word innovation to be, is thinking outside the box in ways that mm-hmm. result in change, though. Because if you're just thinking outside the box and it doesn't result right. in anything, then you, I don't oh. know if that's really productive thinking. Or that, <laughs> it, 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 well, I guess the point is, it, it, the, if it solves your problem, 
or your challenge, that's all really that matters because really that's what you want. I want to solve this, whatever is going on, or that I anticipate this, and um, maybe these are the materials I have, and how am I going to figure this out? All right. Yeah. Um, And I think from there, it's, and then you gain in confidence once you figure that out, then, and I think that's what a lot of innovations in the past were based on of, you know, where, you know, after a while, people gained confidence and they were like, okay, I could do this and I could do this and let me go beyond that. Because what you think is possible turns out, what was it? um, Oh God, what was it when they did the, 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 the four mile in a minute, the runner, and then nobody, the doctors were saying that was physically impossible for humans to do it. And then once that runner did it, I can't remember his name now, then a bunch of people started doing it. High school student did it. Yeah, no, like I think we're limited by our expectations and assumptions. Yeah, you know, because, exactly. yeah, no, I mean, if, and I always throw out the if, because I know that science hasn't really fully, like, proved it, right? And everyone's very materialistic nowadays. So it's uh-huh. like, if um, our physical is literally the overlapping of mental projections of wants, don't wants, assumptions, and expectations, then, like, uh, oh, I forgot the point I was actually going to make just now. Don't worry about t- it. Oh, no, limited, no. By, limited by your assumptions and expectations. Yes. Those literally are what work the fluid those those longer waved waveform um, type of thoughts are what work the fluid before it comes into our wake state. So literally, mm-hmm. our our ability within wake a wake state is determined by our assumptions and expectations. Do you think that our expectations will also pull circumstances or people into our reality? Yes. And we're talking here synchronicity. Yeah, that's you know. part of your light state exactly. So that's part of your synchrony. Totally. Yeah. It's been great. I have loved speaking to you. <laughs> I want to wish you the best of luck. That was great on your project. When when do you expect that you're going to be releasing the book? Um, I already have that the, the infinite pool of experience and awareness out, and I also mm-hmm. have the business of love out. Uh, Mind the shifter and reorganizer of nodes will probably be out by the end of the month, next month. Oh, okay, soon. All right. Yeah, yeah and then there's two more books that go with it in a way. The next one is Body, um, the Mind Spaceship, and then the other one after that's called spirit and it's going to be the vortex of time. But so then that'll be another hardback. So the first hardback has six books in it total. Okay. This one will have five books in it. Um, okay. Then, so what are you releasing them as eBooks first and then making a hardback compilation? I, I always do an eBook. Then I do um, a soft cover. For example, these are all the, the individual soft. Covers uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, they're, they're smaller. They're like 50, 60 pages each. Okay. And then when you get five of them together, you know, it ends up being like 340 pages. It was right. the first hardback. And then you um, put into a hardback. Okay. okay. Yeah, but I also have the digital versions because they're less expensive. Um, you know, I don't have to go make it, stuff like sure. that. Yeah. yeah. You produce um, it. Yeah, so it should be out soon. There you go. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I want to wish you the best of luck. And I, I'm going to be following up on your work because, but I got to let my mind cool off. I got to let my brain cool off for a little bit here, man, because it's like, oh boy. <laughs> It's a lot for people to take on, take in, but no. I think um, for, from my understanding, my perspective, it really does seem to tie in science with, at the end of the day, spirituality Sure. without using yeah. the word religion. But like, it seems like all the religions mm-hmm. stem from that same source to begin right. with. And we, and we, sometimes we want to make, we want to make one exclusive from the other. And yep. obviously there's definitely an overlap. There uh, is. But we just, you know, the, the, for the scientists, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, no, it's hard science, you know. And then, you know, uh, 
And then, of course, you have the religious or spiritual, like the science is the enemy because they're trying to obliterate our, you know, that that we matter kind of thing. The theologians. Science proves spirituality. Yes. Well, now uh, I want to say there was a time, though, maybe when science was really getting up and going where they were like, you know, you know, if you were religious or spiritual or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, you well, poor superstitious like fool. I mean, most scientists are still like that, right? Like, yeah, you I can't know. say certain words. You can't. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah, don't say that word here. Like, oh, no. Uh, yes. Definitely. Are you one of those? <laughs> you mean you can? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 I, and I understand totally what you mean as far as, but no, I think that definitely there's an overlap. There's the areas that are exclusive one to the, you know, like, but like that Venn diagram thing where they overlap, there's, there's a thing there where they exist in the middle right where the two circles work together exactly exactly and they they complement each other like you said uh and um of course we're we as humans are everything you know we're not just physical right like we think we're amazing no i'm just kidding like we are amazing and we are we are but you know but but that's so much uh, it's like you said we are outside of the ego thing we're, we're part of a bigger structure too, though. That's all I can say. Sure, of course. We are amazing things. We are. We're part of a system. Yes, you know? yes, we are. We are. <laughs> yeah. Which sometimes that, that, that's why I'm saying when you get the ego out of the way, yeah, then you can accept that you know, with even within that larger consciousness, whatever you want to call it, you know, there it doesn't diminish your importance, though. Yeah, yeah, because we kind of oh, have of that individualistic not. thing. Like, you mean I will cease to exist? <laughs> it's like no, not really, <laughs> and maybe at some point it won't matter to you. You see, so it's. Nah. Thank you so much, Alex. I want to say, I want to Lucius. There you go. That's fine. Lucius, take care. Thank Good you luck for to you. Me. On the yeah. contrary, it has been my pleasure. Good luck to you. Thank you. Bye bye. Let me tell you something. You think I'm kidding? My brain's going. Let me tell you something, that is exactly the type of conversation I love because it pushes at the edges of what our existence is every day. Don't get get me wrong, it makes you feel uncomfortable because you're like, oh man, what do you mean? There's another whole plane of existence or of interpretation of reality or of whatever. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily, you know what? In his case, you know, he had this lucid dream or a visitation. And he kind of like got the full scoop. And then there's other people that, you know, you can get it in small portions. And like I said, I think, you know, I wasn't kidding with the thing about rigidity, you know, that some people are so rigid that what they see or what their experience of life is or what they want life to be is like, don't move me out of here. This is it. And it's almost like the same thing as like when we're talking about Galileo is like, God forbid, you should suggest that we are not the center of the universe. You know, that our planet was orbiting a thing and, you know, we're just part of, in that case, a solar system. To some people, this is like, don't take me any further. And it's not, it's not for everybody. But I really believe that as human beings, considering our capacity, we owe it to ourselves, at least always to keep an open mind when we start looking at what is our reality. Look at what he's talking about, you know, as far as interdimensional uh, you know whether it the existence of other dimensions yes but portals 
you know, are we looking into our past? That, that thing about that we exist in a black hole, but we can only see because of the vantage point that we have. That's why I asked them, well, are we ever going to realize we're sitting in... I mean, talk about that. That, that could fry your neurons. <laughs> but at the same time, it's fascinating because just, as, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean you shouldn't entertain it. And at the same time, it doesn't mean we should accept everything because there's going to be some theories or some things that you make you uncomfortable. And later on, you're like, nah. You know, if I take the uncomfortable out of it, this is no. You know, and, um, you know, we're not meant to know everything about life or existence or the universe. I mean, we, by this I mean, we all have our limitations. Whether, even if we uh, go into transcendent meditation or we can free ourselves of our ego, there's always some limitations that we have but as far as you could say you know what within the capacity that i have as my person my brain power my intelligence whatever the case might be i'm going to leave myself open to listening uh or looking at new theories or saying you know what that sounds way out there but that doesn't mean it's not possible that doesn't mean that it's not true now the flip side of it is, is, you know, what are the consequences sometimes of discoveries or, you know, for example, that, uh, that thing at CERN, that collider that they just, I think like in the beginning of July, they turned it back on. I mean, I don't know the exact, but you know, I've heard, I've heard, you know, what I mean, I've heard, I've read, uh, let me, let me correct myself. I've read that sometimes they're doing stuff that they're really not sure what, in other words, they know what they're trying to achieve. They just don't know exactly what the results might be. Okay? In other words, we're trying to get this result, but maybe they don't know something that could come of that effort. Not because they're ignoring it, but because maybe there's an X factor in all of this that they're just not aware of. Because let's face it, I don't care how smart you are, what scientists. We are not all-knowing. Okay, there's always, always the X factor. There's always some piece of the puzzle that's missing. Or like he said, you're going down the river, but between the time you got here and there, the fish went by and the rock, you know. Okay. In other words, yeah, you could say, you know, we, we've we developed this formula and we're going to think we're going to do that and that and that and this and this and this. But in the mat and that coming and going, something shifts, something happens that you couldn't anticipate because that's just the nature of the fluidity of life that maybe nothing is static as much as we would like to uh calculate that it is and something comes off of left field my thing of cern saying i've heard that some people um are very uh worried about some of the work that they're doing there i don't know enough about it to say one way or the other the only thing i can say is i've seen some of the things that they've done to like um ceremonies or shows that they've done is like this is really weird like really unusual stuff it's like i thought this was supposed to be a scientific endeavor for the love of mike it's everything but scientific really really weird and dare i say dark yes but anyway that's that's a whole another show guys i hope before i forget go to miamigoschronicles.com there have links for everything shows podcasts Sign up for my uh, newsletter on Substack. Uh, I send out links to either articles or even uh, 
some of the podcasts, some of my older podcasts and videos, stuff that people have forgotten about. Because I've had people say, hey, you know, I can't, because it's buried, of course. I, I have copies of everything, by the way. Videos, MP3s, and video links, and a video, actual video. And a lot of these things have dropped off sources. And I've had people sometimes ask me about it. So that's why on Substack, every uh, uh, about maybe once every 10 days, I'll besides the other links, I send... Uh, maybe an old video from maybe five years ago on some interview that was really good. And, um, you know, and anyway, Substack, sign up for my Substack newsletter. Um, and again, if you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, if you go to MPPellister.com, I've got the links to shows, the podcast, which you can listen to the browser or download the MP3 file. The... that version of course the ones that you get from me are without commercial interruption if you link over to any of the different podcast platforms whether it's Spreaker iHeartRadio iTunes or whatever uh, Amazon you're always going to get your uh, advertising stuff going on there if you want it no interruptions go to my website and listen to it on the browser or download the mp3 file alright and by the way, people have asked me, yes, I'm still working on my book. Book three of the Sybil Chronicles. Wow. I'm telling you. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, try to talk about multitasking. A lot of work. And I know that sometimes, you know, they say don't be too critical of when you're writing. But sometimes the more you write, the more critical. And it's not so much the, 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 the grammatics of it it's just the idea that I'm looking at this and it's like I want to be original I don't want to come up with stuff that is like I don't want it the trope I don't want I mean the version of some other book or story or movie I'm, I'm really looking at this um, n- not as the writer but as the observer so yeah I gotta come up with something just different maybe familiar in some things but totally different and believe it that that's time consuming because not not per se a writer's block but it's where you think of that idea and then you're like, unfortunately, you dissect it too much and then you're like, no, you know, you find too many faults with it and it's okay, but what if I do this? And also I'm, you know, coming up with monsters and when you're talking supernatural horror, it's very easy. It's very easy to fall into certain tropes because just because, and even though this is featuring, you'll see Dracula of all things, I'm really going off on left field on that. Totally different. So I'm working on that, guys. Uh, I've got a lot of great guests coming on, so come back every week. And I, I'm i telling you, I've, I've either whether it's a returning person, like I said, sometimes years have gone by between our last conversation with them, or brand new, like Lucius, <laughs> the mind bender. <laughs> I've got a lot of interesting people lined up, so come back and thank you for spending this time with me. Take care.